Welcome to the Become New Me podcast with John Ortberg. Passage to Wisdom, Episode 21 How to Look at People. Hey, this is John Ortberg, and I'm so glad to be talking to you. And by the way, if I sound better today, it's because my friend Anne, thank you, Anne, actually sent me this very cool high tech little microphone, and I'm using that now. I should let you know that there is a warning label on the cord that says this cable contains Kevlar and has the potential risk of causing lacerations or strangulation. So apparently, uh, this is a pretty dangerous thing that I'm doing just to help make the sound better for you, and I hope you appreciate that. If any of you are wondering, is there anything else that I need technologically to do these little broadcasts? There really isn't. Um, I have a team of folks and they say they think it would look cool sometimes if I delivered them from the driver's seat of a Porsche. So, Anne or anybody else, if you got one of those laying around, you could send it in. But otherwise, I, I think I'm in good shape. What I want to talk about today is people. And I'm so glad. I want to tell you, by the time we're through with this, uh, these few moments today, you're not going to look at people today the same. You're actually going to be eager today to go out and look people in the eye, to look them in the face and see way beyond the surface, to see things that we don't normally see, to be aware of the presence of God in each person. We're in this series, Passage to Wisdom, and I'm looking right now at a book called The Screwtape Letters, written by C.S. Lewis, in the form of advice from a senior devil tempter to his young nephew, Wormwood. And today is about the disillusionment that people often have when there's other people in their life who disappoint them. And this is particularly true of people that we see in the church or of other Christians, if you're a person of faith. And uh, here's what old Uncle Screwtape writes to Wormwood. One of our great allies at present for separating people from God is the church. Don't misunderstand me. I don't mean the church as we see her. Spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to these humans. One of the primary distinctions that runs throughout the Bible is the difference between the visible and the invisible, the spiritual, but which is real, but is often not seen by those of us who are humans. And this is central when we think about persons today, the invisible side of people. All your patient sees when he goes to the church, Screwtape writes, is, uh, often an odd-looking building. When he goes inside, he sees the local grocer with rather an oily expression on his face bustling up to him. When he gets to his pew, this was written back when most churches had pews, and looks round him, he sees just that selection of his neighbors whom he has hitherto avoided. You want to lean pretty heavily on those neighbors. Make his mind flit to and fro with an expression like the body of Christ, and then the actual faces in the next pew. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people the next pew really contains. You may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side, a great follower of God. No matter. Your patient, thanks to our Father below, is a fool. Provided that any of those neighbors sing out of tune, or have boots that squeak, or double chins, or odd clothes, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. At his present stage, see, he has an idea of Christians in his mind, which he supposes to be spiritual, but which in fact is largely pictorial. 
His mind is full of togas and sandals and armor and bare legs. And the mere fact that other people in church wear modern clothes is a real, though unconscious, difficulty to him. Never let it come to the surface. Never let him ask what he expected them to look like. Keep everything hazy in his mind now. And you will have all eternity wherein to amuse yourself by producing in him the peculiar kind of clarity which hell affords. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing to a church at Corinth about exactly this issue. When you look at people, what do you see? Corinth was a place very much like where we live in our day that was preoccupied with the visible aspects of personhood. How successful are they? How beautiful are they? How strong are they? How smart are they? How rich are they? And Paul's writing about how since meeting Jesus, since entering into the reality of God's presence and God's power through Christ, it has changed the way that he not only interacts with other people, but the way that he looks at them. And this is how he puts it. So from now on, we regard, that is, look at, evaluate, judge, perceive, understand. We regard no one from a worldly point of view, or regard no one, the old translation had it, according to the flesh. Kata sarks, sarcophagus. We don't do that anymore. Uh, though we once regarded Christ in this way, that is, when we looked at Jesus, we thought about how successful was he, how strong was he, um, how much did he master the Romans and conquer the world. Although we looked at him once this way, we now no longer look at anybody this way. What does it mean to look at someone according to the flesh? What does it mean to have a largely pictorial image in our mind when we think about people or Christians in ancient times or modern times? So I want to mention now one other book. This is an amazing book. It's been very helpful to me. Uh, as far as I know, the writer is not a person of faith. Robert McKee, it's called Story. It was recommended to me by uh, an old editor friend of mine, John Sloan, one of the great editors of our time. Hi, John, if you're watching. And Robert McKee, the guy that wrote it, is the master teacher of the craft of script writing, storytelling in our day, Hollywood and beyond. And in one section of the book, he writes about uh, why stories that fail. And he says they generally uh, confuse two aspects of personhood. One of them is what he calls characterization, characteristics that people have. Characterization is the sum of all observable qualities, what's visible according to the flesh. The sum of observable qualities of a human being. Everything knowable through careful scrutiny. Age and IQ. Sex and sexuality. Style of speech and gesture. Choices of home, car, dress, education, occupation, personality, nervosity, all aspects of humanity we could know by taking notes on somebody day in and day out. The totality of these traits makes each person unique because we're all a one-of-a-kind combination of genetic givens and accumulating experiences. The singular assemblage of traits is characterization, characteristics. And we often think that the good life is to have really impressive characteristics, to be wealthy, to be strong, to be beautiful, to be young. Uh, then the difference, the other uh, dimension of personhood is not characteristics, but character. And this is what McKee writes. True character is revealed in the choices a human being makes under pressure. 
the greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation, because this is what is unseen, the truer the choice to the character's essential nature. It goes on. Beneath the surface of characterization, regardless of appearance, who is this person? That is, we all know that who somebody is is deeper than the surface characteristics according to the flesh. At the heart of his humanity, what will we find? Is he loving or cruel, generous or selfish, strong or weak, truthful or a liar? The only way to know the truth is to witness him make choices under pressure, to take one action or another in the pursuit of his desire as he chooses he is Pressure is essential. Choices made when nothing is at risk means little. The revelation of true character in contrast or contradiction to characterization is fundamental to great storytelling. Life teaches us this grand principle. What seems is not what is. People are not what they appear to be. So from this moment on, we will no longer evaluate, judge, look at people according to the flesh. Though we once regarded everybody in this way, we regard no one this way any longer. It's amazing truth. Now, Lewis addresses one other point. What if we look at somebody and it's not just their characteristics, but it's their character that disappoints us? And of course, that will happen. Screwtape's advice to Warren Wood is this. When that happens, all you have to do is to keep out of your patient's mind the question, if I, being what I am, can consider that I am in some self a Christian, why should the different vices of the people in the next pew prove that their religion is mere hypocrisy and convention? You may want to ask whether it's possible to keep such an obvious thought from occurring even to a human mind. It is Wormwood, it is. Handle him properly, and it simply won't come into his head. So today, we look at people, you look at people, not according to the flesh. When you look at people, don't look at them based on how attractive are they, how wealthy are they, how smart do they seem to be, what's their ethnicity, um, how rich are they. No, regard them according to love. Regard them from the humility of someone who is loved by the grace of God. That's the only way for me to look at another person, to look beyond their characteristics, to the possibility of their character, to what it is that God sees when he looks at them through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of grace and love. And when we look at people in that way, we give them a great gift. We begin to see what God sees and to value what God values, and to love as God loves. Those are the magic eyes through which God sees the world through the eyes of Jesus, and he gives us those eyes. So today, when, when you and I look at people, let's look beyond the surface. Let's look beyond the face. Let's look into those eyes and see the possibilities, and see the wounds and the hurts and the dreams and all that God created in the person. And let's love that. Let's do that today. And I will look for you tomorrow and I will be sounding good. Thanks for joining us. 
Receive alerts for new episodes by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Or invite a friend by sharing the link becomenew.me.